Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Narrated by Academy Award-winning actress Meryl Streep, Shout Gladi Gladi celebrates the extraordinary people who rescue African women and girls from obstetric fistula, a medical condition that can turn them into reviled outcasts. Directed by Adam Friedman and Ian Kennedy and filmed in, filmed in Malawi and Sierra Leone, the film spotlights the quest of Anna Klogue, the philanthropist and former nurse who drives the movement to save these vulnerable women and present these patients as they tell stirring tales of struggle and triumph. Everything culminates in the exuberant Gladi Gladi ceremony, a singing and dancing blowout that marks the day that women return home cured. We are joined today by the co-director of the film Shout Gladi Gladi, that would be Adam Friedman. Adam, welcome to film school. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about your involvement. How did you come to know about this and, and make it, want to make a documentary about it? Well, it's actually a great story. Uh, my sister is a newscaster here in New York City. Her name is Roma Tori. Uh, I'd say the best newscaster in New York City. But she's also uh, a theater reviewer here at New York One. And she was introducing Anne Globe at a UN ceremony. And uh, she became so taken with Anne and what she was talking about. And uh, she was unaware of fistula, uh, as was I, and that she told Anne, she said, you, know, you should work with my brother. He's a wonderful filmmaker. He's won Emmy Awards. He's a, he's a genius, and he'll do the job. Mm -hmm. So uh, out of the blue, I got a phone call from uh, Anne, and she said, you know, would you like to meet? And I said, sure. So I came to New York, and I met her. And, uh, you know, I had no idea what fistula was. I, you know, to me, I thought it was a martial arts or something. And I said, oh, fistula. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. You know, what is it? Um, and it sounds horrific. It sounds like what it is, you know. Yeah. Um, and basically, what happens is, is when uh, a little a child, uh, when they're unable to deliver a child uh, by cesarean section, because uh, we take C-sections for granted here in the West, but in Africa, very few people could perform them. So the baby dies in the womb. When the baby dies in the womb, usually when it's dead, it'll start to shrink. When it shrinks, it'll pass through the vagina. Um, some cases it doesn't. When it doesn't, all, all hell breaks loose. And fistula is the hell that breaks loose. It's when the head either uh, forms a lesion or uh, an ulcer by the bowel or by the uh, uterus, and they can't control their uh, their bathroom function, right. their it, bowels well, or their urine. It, it creates a hole or a, or a cavity of sorts in, in, in the area of their anus and their vagina, right, that creates this incontrollable incontinence and, and the inability to... Right. Uh, there's an actual, there's, a, there's an incredible uh, moment in the movie where this... Uh, by the way, you you'd mentioned that we shot in Malawi and Sierra Leone. We also shot in Kenya, Nairobi, Kenya. Hmm. Um, but there's a young lady named Carolyn uh, who speaks great English, and she, she has this incredibly sad moment where she says, you know, and, and I was leaking, um, and hmm. I needed pampers but there are no pampers in Africa. Yeah. So you start thinking of, oh, my God, you know, so what do they do? They shove rags up there. I mean, it's just terrible. Yeah. And, and, you know, we even met 
women who had had fistula imagine this for 40 years. Yeah. I mean, the, the fistula is so terrible, but if you take it into a culture like Africa where, where a woman is, is really 80% of the woman is judged on her ability to have and bear children, yeah. suddenly uh, they are so such outcasts. Uh, that, uh, you know, we hear horror stories like, you know, the the village would take the women and put them in a, in a uh, cabin with no doors. Hence, hyenas would come in, maybe eat them, oh my God. attack them and kill them. It was terrible. So um, into this fray, Anne, who uh, started out as a nurse and then started a, a very successful uh, transportation company called Stagecoach, um, unselfishly puts a great deal of money into the Freedom from Fistula Foundation. But more importantly, she goes there. She holds people's hands. She, she feeds these children. She, she nurses them. So uh, she started a couple of hospitals. So there's a, there's a hospital in Malawi. Uh, there's a, uh, there's, I'm sorry, there's a, uh, a wing of a hospital in Malawi. There's an actual hospital um, in Sierra Leone, mm-hmm. and there's a wing of, uh, there's an orphanage and a wing in uh, Nairobi, Kenya, that Anne, Anne funds. So she's an incredible woman. Um, but anyway, she and I started to speak, and she said, uh, let's do a documentary on it. And I said, all right, let's do it. So uh, thus it began. Yeah, now, from, from that point forward, now, I know that she was uh, initially not interested in being in the film. She wanted you to... To base, I assume she wanted you to just do the film and she would be a part of it, consult, whatever it was. Uh, right. But she is, in watching uh, uh, Shout Gladi Gladi, she's such an, she's the thread, really, that pulls the, the film together. She's through, right. throughout it. She 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 appears uh, in these interviews and, and she's on site, as you said, she's in Africa and creates kind of the overarching narrative of what this film well, is about. And Tell me a little uh, bit. Go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt, but remember I, I mentioned earlier on when we were talking about Wally Soyanka, he's a tree. Oh, right. The tree, right. the tree works as an analogy for her as well. When I met with her, I said, you are a tree, and your branches, your stout, sturdy branches, and she's not, she's very skinny, so, so I'm not making a fact. <laughs> her stout branches really do support the entire enterprise, and that's why I insisted. I said, I'm not interested in doing a movie about rich white folk giving black folk money so they can survive in Africa. I said, I think we've seen that to death. Yeah. Um, and one of the reasons I was so excited about the movie was Anne not only goes in there, spends her own money and time to help these women, she also, and, and one of my favorite parts of the movie was not mentioned in either the New York Times or the LA Times Review, was the B-Box and the fact that they not only fixed the women physically, but then they train them so that they can take care of themselves physically. Um, in other words, the B-Box, um, and you saw the film, yeah. is a small generator um, that's powered by a solar cell, but it enables these women that are outcasts, that are considered to be um, disgusting, foul-smelling creatures, now they come back into the village, they no longer stink, and more importantly, since Africa has become the third or fourth largest cell phone market in the world, but they have the worst power grid in the world. Yeah. These people come in with these B-boxes, and with the B-box, they're able to charge three, four, or five cell phones at a time, charge a little money, and it gives them their, uh, their, their self-worth back. And isn't that an amazing and wonderful and empowering story? It's also 
what I loved about it was it's bipartisan in the sense that, you know, every time you try to help someone, you're going to get, you know, Fox or the Republicans saying, hey, you're giving money to the, you know, the poor people. Don't give right. them money. But this is this is empowering people right. to take their own lives in their hands and actually do something really positive. And it and it comes across that way in the film. It isn't no one's going to get rich. But in addition to, as you said, they they come back healed. And that I think is the important thing after they leave these clinics, they have generally speaking almost all these women have gotten enough therapy and surgeries to not have to deal with the consequences of the fistula so not, that not exactly true but no? true enough for this yes everyone is 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 mended to a, a certain degree yes some completely most close enough so that they come back and forth but still that's the whole point of of medic, medicine and, and life you know right. they, they get sick to the degree that they can, and then they go back and forth until they're, you know, they're, they're, they're well enough. And yeah. certainly, that's where the B box and yes. other things that they're t- trained in come in, so that they can support themselves. And isn't that a miracle? I mean, you yeah. know, because as Wally Soyanka said, uh, I hate aid. Aid. He says, whether you give them a hundred dollars or even ten thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars will not last them a lifetime. Right. So then they still need money. Right. So this way. It's a self-generating and self-propagating way of, of supporting oneself. And, and, you know, more importantly, it, well, not more importantly, it not only feeds them, as I said, physically, it physically allows them to exist. Very good. We're speaking with the co-director of the new documentary, Shout Gladi Gladi. Uh, that would be Adam Friedman. And Adam is uh, in New York. Uh, tonight, the, uh, the film opens at the uh, East Village. Uh, in New York City, and here on the West Coast, uh, the co- other director, the co-director, Ian Kennedy, will be at the Lemley Music Hall in uh, Beverly Hills, along with one of the participants in the documentary, a terrific doctor by the name of Jeff Wilkinson. So they'll, they're here on the West Coast. Adam, we're talking to in New York, and uh, uh, about this wonderful documentary, about really about women women's rights, ability to generate the uh, income, be self-sufficient, and just a whole slew of things that that are really kind of um, the ripple effect of of a half the population of the continent, many of whom do not have access to the most basic services and the basic opportunities that we here in the West take for granted. And this is one small part, taking care of medical issues and then allowing people to be able to take care of themselves in the process. And it's a remarkable story in and of itself by that alone. But it's also remarkable because of the work that's being done by Ann Glogue. There is a a network of people that are a, a growing network of people who are helping others help themselves as well. I want to talk a little bit about that. Melinda Gates is also involved in this uh, been, and been helpful. But the people within this network that are is slowly developing is at least as important as, as some of the other aspects of the of this story. Don't you? Do, would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And in fact, you know, we, we should also be talking about the fact that, you know, some of the great doctors and nurses who are African um, right. who, uh, are just you know, there's uh, Dr. Teggy who who works on some of our patients there, and uh, the nurses and the midwives. You know, midwifery is a big thing in Africa, and it's not dealt with. Uh, I've dealt with a little bit in the movie, but 
you know, they're very important because you can't afford in some cases to have a real medical doctor there. So you don't want, you know, there's some terrible stories in the movie. I mean, you, you see Yada, you know, with the, 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 the supposed medical, yeah. uh, do, the medical man, you know, who, who sticks a, you know, a sharp object, <sighs> whatever it was, yeah. pokes the eye out of her baby, yeah. killing it yeah. and screwing her up forever. And, it, you know, that's a Terrible, terrible story. So right. Well, well, Adam. One of the things else, as, as well as because within the the clinics that these women are in, there is the immediacy of the of the sort of su- support group of other women who have gone through the same many of the same circumstances, and it is it is again kind of heartwarming and and as I said before we came on the air, kind of revives revives your faith in human beings to see. How through every through so much uh, travail and so much uh, pain and suffering, these women seem so glad, so so um, so positive. Yeah, yeah. To <laughs> yeah, there you go. They're they're happy that. Uh, well, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but it's it's the support and it just it's wonderful to see that. So. Um, yeah. It, it again. All these things. It's sort of the ripple effect. You hope that as 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 they develop their own lives, all they bring with them this this new set of skills and a mindset that's going to help other women as well. What was uh, for you and Ian and their crew it, being in these different locations, Sierra Leone, Mal- uh, Malawi, uh, and other places? You mentioned. Did you say um, Nigeria? Nairobi, Kenya. Nairobi. Mm-hmm. Um, what were the greatest challenges? Was there any sort of institutional resistance to you being there? Did the government matter in this? Did you have to get through kind of a bureaucracy to be allowed to do this? What What were your challenges in in making there, shout there, like There's always a bureau. There's always a bureaucracy in uh, Africa. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and I don't know if you were told, but you know, our first night there, my wife and I were stopped at gunpoint. We had a very dicey situation. We landed in Malawi. It was about midnight. Uh, my bodyguard got in the car with us, and he wasn't armed because you know you can't you can't be non-African and bring weapons into Africa. Okay. So uh, we were in a uh, jeep and uh, we're going down a highway, and suddenly um, there's an AK-47 pointed at us, and uh, we're pulled over, and there's three soldiers, two with uh, AKs, one looking like a baby doc. Oh my God! I mean, yeah. and uh, my wife is sitting in the front seat, and uh, he comes over, and there's flashlights, and it's very. I'm looking at it, and I'm going, "Oh my God, this is going to be it!" And I, I looked at the bodyguard, and I said, "Well, you don't got a gun." Uh, I said, "I'm jumping out the left. You jump out the right, because I am not going to sit here and watch my wife get raped or whatever." Yeah. And uh, luckily, it's hard to explain. I used to do security work, so I got to say, it's, it's there's a moment in time when things either go south very fast, or they don't. Uh, and you might say, oh, well, that's obvious, but it's not obvious. And it is obvious, though, to those of us who have lived through it. And it was a terrible moment. And by the way, this is a non-Brian Williams story. This is a true story. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, the guy just, he must have seen, we had a lot of UNESCO stickers on the side of the, of the driver who picked us up, Jeep. Mm-hmm. And suddenly he, he backed off a little bit. And, uh, you know, then we all said whew so that was a that was a hell of a way to come to africa i must say that was that was our first hour in country um but then after that everyone was great and malawi is a wonderful place um 
Sierra Leone was very scary because uh, we were in just the worst slum ever, Crew Bay. I know others, some people might disagree with us on that, but we think it was. And uh, we were there right as Ebola was coming in. We left right when Ebola was was there. So we were afraid the crew would get stopped at the airport. It was very scary. Um, And in fact, you know, Sierra Leone was supposed to be a scouting trip. We shot it. Thank God we did, because if we hadn't shot it, we'd still be waiting to go back into Sierra Leone. As, as, right now, you can't get a crew into Sierra Leone, so, and we're opening tonight. So, <laughs> Well, <laughs> that, that's amazing. That's, that's absolutely amazing. Well, it, it's, uh, I mean, none of that's in the film. <laughs> You're staring down the barrel no, of an AK-47 my, is not in there. No, but. <laughs> my wife, I wish I'd been rolling film. I could have recreated it, but, you know, that would have been the only scene in the movie that was a recreate, right? Uh, and there, therefore... You know, Errol Morris might have been able to do it. I just didn't feel comfortable doing it. You know, you know what I'm saying? No, I, I know what you're saying. Well, um, because I could have done it with a jeep, you know, and I and you know, and all you need to do is show the jeep driving away. But then you'd say, who shot the jeep driving away? The the the, the soldiers? I mean, so yeah. Well, and also, I I mean, it, it really doesn't. It doesn't really go with the story. The story is about these women and the ish, medical issues. Right. It well, but it would have been cool. And also, we broke the fourth wall. I mean, it would have been cool if yeah. it would have been, and you'd have to narrate it with me and my wife and just say, yeah. oh, you know, I thought we were dead. And, you know, yeah. and my wife kept saying, I think they just want my purse. And, of course, me, I'm saying, honey, they're going to take your purse after you're, you know. Yeah, something, yeah. It was terrible. But um, it was terrible. But you know what? We survived it, so it's a great thing. I can tell you a story that we survived. Yeah. And I must say, Malawi was a wonderful place. The people were so cool. And um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was a strange opening, a strange beginning to everything, but it was it was a wonderful place. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's fair to say that endemic corruption uh, is something that is certainly a huge impediment to development throughout the developing world it's not in it's not a new story but it's all but it that doesn't matter when you as i said you're staring down the barrel of an ak-47 on, on a dark night somewhere amen. in the middle amen yeah amen brother and uh and kudos to you and to ian uh for uh enlisting the very talented supremely talented actress meryl streep to do the narration for your film uh shout gladdy gladdy tell me a little bit about uh that particular aspect Meryl Streep is a great story because uh, we wanted her from the beginning and we were having a very difficult time reaching her and my sister, uh, God bless her, said, hey, send her the friggin' film. Um, and uh, she knew her assistant and we just, I sent her the film and kept my fingers crossed and about eight days after I sent the film, I get a phone call and I was in New York. It was funny. I was in New York freaking out thinking, who the, who the hell is going to narrate my movie? And... Um, I'm uh, driving down, I, I remember it like it was yesterday, I'm right on 42nd Street and 8th Avenue, or on 42nd and Broadway, and the phone rings, and it's Meryl's assistant, and she says, Meryl loves the movie, she loved to do it, thinks it's very powerful, you did a great job, uh, can you set it up to, uh, can you record in New York? I said, I'm leaving for Los Angeles, but you know what, I could change my plans and just stay here in, in New York. She said, no, no, Meryl's going to come to L.A. for the Oscars. So I said, I know, but I mean, you know, I don't want to screw up her Oscars and all that <laughs> stuff. And she said, no, 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 you won't. So believe it or not, Meryl Streep, this wonderful human who I just adore um, and who makes such a huge difference in the movie, um, did the re- narration recording 9 a.m. on Saturday morning before the Oscars that Sunday. 
uh, did not come in with any kind of an entourage or anything, could not have been nicer, allowed me to direct her, and I interacted with me. You know, I had a great time directing her. But in addition, she knew the movie so well. You know, I would say stuff like, I didn't know, you, know, you never know. I thought maybe she did it because she felt sorry, you know, because it's a great product, yeah. uh, project. Nope. She knew scenes. I said, you know, in this one scene, I pronounce it this way. She goes, no, I know. That's the scene where the bicycle is attached to the chair, and it's really the only ambulance in the village. Bam! <laughs> she knew it. It was so cool. And it was the, night, it was the day before the Oscars, and uh, we were so honored. And still, to this day, you know, I, I told Anne, you know, I, I just saw Anne this morning, and I said, you know, really, um, it's the biggest thing that happened to us in the movie. I mean, other than going to, you know, other than actually doing the film, I mean, Meryl Streep gives us such uh, veracity and, yeah. and such, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. It's a great, so. listen, it, it, it's a wonderful film uh, on its own terms. You're absolutely right. Meryl Streep is, as she is, uh, if, if it's the hook that get people, it gets people to watch it, great. But she's terrific. The film is terrific. I'm going to let you get going, but I want to let people. Let me just want to tell you one funny yeah. story and I'll say goodbye. Okay. Because you just said something so nice. My wife. Um, who was is a, had been a wonderful child actress, but doesn't act anymore, had been kind enough, even though she was not feeling well, to do the voiceover that we used to cut the film to, right? So, you know, we had a, a VO track. Yeah. So when we were done recording Meryl, my wife was there, and my wife came up to her. Of course, my wife's a smarty pants, and she came up to her, and she said, well, she said, I, I thought you, you did me as well as you could or something <laughs> along those lines. And Meryl Streep turned to her, and she said, well, you did give me the template, dear. And what a cool lady. She could have just looked at, you know, she could have just flicked this, you know, and she said, well, you did give me the template. So... Well, that, that's a great story. Great so. story. The film's getting terrific reviews. It's getting wonderful. Uh, and more importantly, it's shining a light on something that is just so unnecessary in terms of the, the suffering that goes on for these women, uh, not only in Africa, but around the world as well. This, uh, And, and it, it shines that light, and it, it calls attention to something that needs to have its called attention to. The film... Shout Gladi Gladi, the uh, co-director, Adam Freeman, along with Ian Kennedy. He's going to be at the Village East tonight. Check your listings for that. And Ian will be out here in the West Coast, w- along with Jeff Wilkinson at the uh, Lemley Music Hall here in Beverly Hills. Thank you, Adam Friedman, so much for being a part of Film School. You're a gentleman. It was a pleasure to be part of Film School. And uh, remember, shout Gladi Gladi. Shout Gladi Gladi. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.